But there are some things which come to define us, aren't there? Characteristics or actions by which our legacy is formed and by which help to etch us into the minds of other people. Some people's leg legacies are reduced to a niche answer that everybody hopes nobody gets when, it's in, when they're included by the 100 people who are asked a sample question on pointless. They don't want anybody to guess it. And some people's legacies are just reduced to this seemingly little known fact. Whilst other legacies are so impactful that they are immortalized in statues, hospital wings, or even have a national holiday named after them. And some people's legacies just live on in their hearts and in the lives of their families as well. But there are things which come to define us. Our actions and our characteristics, more often than not, are what define us in the eyes of other people. But the truth is, whether our names are etched in the throes of history or our lives are remembered merely by those who were closest to us whilst here on earth, our character matters. And our character is what will be remembered long after we are gone. Or as Maya Angelou once put it, I've learned that people will forget what you said People will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. This morning, as we continue through Advent together, we're going to spend some time focusing around one or two particular verses in which the prophet Isaiah lays out clearly for us the type of person that the coming Messiah will be. In essence, Isaiah is foretelling Jesus' legacy and is speaking of his character. And earlier on, Pastor Joanne already were, uh, read those words to us as part of the larger reading of the scriptures. Words which have become synonymous with the Advent season. But let us remind ourselves of two of those verses together. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So before we dive a little deeper, let's just ready and steady our hearts as we come before the Lord in prayer. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and for your grace. And we thank you this morning for the truth of your word. We thank you as we so often remind ourselves that this is the living word of the living God for us, your living people. And Lord, you have something to say to us through it this morning. So Lord, we pray 
that our hearts would be open to receive what it is that your spirit has to say to us as a church body. And Lord, my prayer is that you would hide your servant behind the cross and that only Jesus would be seen and only Jesus would be heard. And Lord, we pray all these things in that beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So let us consider those names together this morning. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor. The reality is that there is never a time whenever we look at Jesus, whenever we get and take the time to actually get to know Jesus, that we can truthfully say that in his presence we are bored. The scripture is full of examples that Jesus loved to have a good time. And it was always good, clean, fun. You would never be bored whenever you were around Jesus. He was wonderful to be around and he is still wonderful to be around. In his wonderfulness, now I don't think wonderfulness is a word, but ministers make up words all the time. So I'm gonna do it again. In his wonderfulness, he will fill our hearts and minds with complete and utter amazement and awe that leaves us wide-eyed and open-mouthed. The wonder of Jesus is not merely a pleasant, lovable and likeable persona, but rather it is a wonder which is beyond comprehension. I spent a long time trying to think of a comparison or even an illustration which would help to illustrate how wonderful he is to us. But surprise, surprise, I came up short. And here's why I couldn't think of anything. And here's why I couldn't think of a story to illustrate it. It's because his wonder is incomprehensible. His wonder is indescribable. The English language does not have enough words to adequately describe his wonder. It doesn't have the adequate words to describe just how wonderful he truly is. And guess what? There are literally hundreds if not thousands of other languages and they don't even begin to scratch the surface either. Think about it for a moment. This is Jesus, born of a virgin, a healer, a teacher speaking countercultural truth. He who lived a perfect life in an imperfect world. He who was raised from the dead after dying a criminal's death and ascended into the heavenly realms and where he returns to the right hand of God the Father and is right now praying for you and for me. And before he was born of a virgin, he was the creator God. Before he was born of a virgin, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he took on human form and dwelt among us. He left the treasures and the glory of heaven, where literally angels praised and worshiped him. So great is his wonder. And he left it all. And he took on stinking human flesh and dwelt among us. I don't have the words 
You don't have the words. Nobody has the words to describe just how wonderful he truly is. And right now as he sits at the right hand of God the Father and prays for you and for me. He's awaiting a time when the Father will turn and say go get them. Go get them and bring them to be with us. Jesus is quite simply wonder upon wonder. He is grace upon grace. He is indescribable. He is incomprehensible. And his name shall be wonderful. But his name is Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. The only one who is truly qualified to guide our lives in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This is the very same Jesus who calmed the winds and waves and he is the very same Jesus to whom we as believers should be calling upon for counsel in all things, in all aspects of our lives. Very often, if you're anything like me, when something goes wrong, the instantaneous thought is, how do I fix this? Anybody else feel a little bit like that? Yeah. How do I fix this? We like to fix things. But actually, as the people of God, our instantaneous thought should not be, how can I fix this? It should be, he can fix it. He can fix it. Let's come to Jesus. It is he who is our wonderful counsellor. And in communion with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, Jesus, who is God the Son, the high counsel of the Godhead, together who have brought forth our salvation. We read together and studied together on Wednesday evening the book of, well, a couple of Wednesday evenings ago, the book of Zephaniah. And a couple of verses that we didn't read together, but in hindsight we probably should have, are found in chapter 6. From verses 12 to 13. And this is speaking of Joshua, who is the high priest, but it is also speaking prophetically of the great high priest, the Lord Jesus, who would come. It says, Tell him, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Here is the man whose name is the branch, and he will branch out from his place and build the temple of the Lord. It is he who will build the temple of the Lord and he will be clothed with majesty and will sit and rule on his throne. And he will be a priest on his throne and there will be harmony or there will be peace between the two. See, it is the great counsellor, the wonderful counsellor Jesus who moves in his providence to guide our lives, working out his perfect plan for our lives and continuing the good work that he has started within us until it finds its completion on the great day of the Lord when he returns for his own, taking them to be with him forever. And the Lord's counsel is necessary. Lord, what should I do? Lord, how should I 
respond to this situation. Lord, what do I do when people persecute me? What do I do when she's getting on my wick and I need to see her tomorrow? What do I do? His counsel is necessary because his counsel is perfect. And his counsel, as well as being necessary, is a faithful counsel. He'll never steer us wrong. If we're still and we listen and we don't assume, he'll never steer us wrong. His counsel is faithful and it's hearty and it's wise. We all need a bit of wise counsel, don't we? I don't know about you, but I need wise counsel. His counsel is wise and his counsel is sweet. Perfect in every way and able to work far beyond our own human understanding and comprehension. You see, there's there's a little there's a there's a big reason that the, the hymn writer was able to say and stated that just a little talk with Jesus makes me whole. And you will find that a little talk with Jesus makes it right. As believers, our wonderful counsellor, Jesus Christ, should be our first port of call, not our last resort. And we know that, don't we? But I'm going to say it again. Because if you're anything like me, you need to hear these things over and over again before they become true in our own lives. Jesus Christ, our wonderful counsellor, should be our first of call not our last resort communing with him in the place of prayer should be our default position not our oh I've tried everything else so I may as well try that he is our wonderful counsellor he is our friend who sticks closer than a brother he is the lover of our souls he is the one who is for us not against us and he is the one who is working all things for good, for, the, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Our wonderful counsellor, this morning he bids us come to him. To reside in him. To confide in him and to rest in him. That we might be empowered, emboldened, encouraged and informed. Becoming the people of God that he has called us to be. You often hear me quote a preacher of old, C.H. Spurgeon. And I love what he says about this and it really challenges me to do this more. He says, Christ is the counsellor whom I desire to consult every hour. And I would have that I would sit in his secret chamber all day and all night long. Because to counsel with him is to have sweet counsel, hearty counsel and wise counsel all at the same time. That's good, isn't it? And it's so, so true. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Our God is, our Jesus, 
is the God of all creation and glory. He is the Lord who reigns in heaven as King of kings and Lord of lords. And he is the only one who is worthy of praise, glory and honour. He is the one that we have gathered to worship this morning. He is the one that you give up this time on a Sunday morning when, to be honest, you could probably be doing something else. He is the one that you give your time up for to spend in worship together as the church. And you don't just do it because it's something else. You probably do that. You do it because it's something that you know that he will meet you in. He is worthy of praise and glory and honour. He is our mighty God, 100% man, yet 100% God. The one equation that used to drive my atheist math teacher bonkers. 100% man, yet 100% God. He is word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. He is the second person of the triune God. The very God of very God. And he is mighty this morning. Mighty in battle. And one for whom not one thing is too hard nor too difficult. Maybe this morning, if you're honest, you're here and you've a wee face on. But you're feeling a little bit out of your depth. Maybe you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed and burdened with a load of care that some people know about or no people know about. Maybe this morning found you, if you're honest, wanting to curl up in a ball and pull the covers over your head and hide away from the world and away from any responsibilities that you might have. Maybe this morning finds you fighting a battle that no one else knows anything about. And if, you are, if you're honest with yourself, in yourself, you find yourself slipping and falling. Maybe this morning you find yourself weighed down by expectation, either expectation that has been placed on you by other people or expectation which you placed upon yourself. Maybe this morning... You find yourself worrying about things over which you have no control or cannot change. I'm pretty sure we all fall into at least one of those categories. If not right now, certainly from time to time. And whichever one of these categories or even categories that have not been mentioned, you fall into, know this. That the scripture tells us that the mighty God is our vindicator. We're told that in Psalm 57, that he is our vindicator. In other words, God makes sure that everything comes out in the wash. He is our vindicator. Know that the mighty God fights for you. You need only to be still. We're told that in Exodus 14 and 14. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And if you find yourself in one of these categories and those two weren't good enough for you, know that the mighty God is the one to whom your battle belongs. 
Second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 15 declares that the battle is the Lord's. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. I'll be honest with you, as, a, as I you like to think I always am, but I'll be honest with you, for a long time, this one really confused me. This one really confused me, because if Jesus is the Son of God, how can he also be the Everlasting Father? How on earth is that supposed to work? I mean, yes, he's God and he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. And we can never fully grasp in our finite minds the enormity of who he is and all that he can do. But surely to be God the Son and the everlasting Father, surely that's a wee bit of a contradiction. Is it not? I, I, I don't feel that we would be wrong to maybe... Oh, we, wouldn't, we would be wrong to jump to that conclusion, but it's completely human for us to jump to that conclusion. See, the idea that is portrayed in the original Hebrew is by calling Jesus the everlasting Father. is not that Jesus fulfills the office of God the Father as well as the office of God the Son, but rather that Jesus is the source or the author of all eternity that he is the creator it does not mean that jesus himself is the person of the father in the trinity so as the everlasting father his character will be shown to be one who protects and provides for his children just as there is no conceivable length that I would not go to in order to protect Annie, Sophia and Catherine to provide and protect my children, the everlasting Father proved that there is no length too great to which he would be willing to go in order to protect his children. And he proved this by his death and resurrection. That he laid down his life so that we might become the children of God. That he, we might be drawn back to himself and protected eternally when we trust in the name of the Lord Jesus for the salvation of our souls. See, the child to be born would become a king who is a father to his children, protecting and providing for them forever. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Here, this child who would be born, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and Jesus Christ, God, the Son, born of a virgin, is revealed to be the one who not only brings, but also the one who makes peace. Especially peace between God and man. As we turn on our TVs at the minute, as we scroll through 
our news apps on our phones or on BBC News on our computers or even scroll through our Twitter or Facebook feeds, it's very clear to see that our world is in need of peace. Right now, throughout the world, we find that there are wars and there are rumours of wars, that there are genocides, that there are murders and there are killings. Our world is a violent and unruly place, where right now, it would appear that peace is in many ways a foreign concept and rather is an idealistic, perfect idea rather than being in any way a reality which we experience. Indeed, those who grew up here in Northern Ireland during a certain period of history would argue that the times in which we live today are more peaceful than, say, 30 years ago. And whilst that might be true, we're not living in a period of true <coughs> peace. Indeed, even in September 1938, I believe it was the 30th, and Graham can correct me afterwards if it's wrong, but British Prime Minister Neville Chamberlain talked about peace for our time, following the Munich Agreement and the Anglo-German Declaration which followed. Peace for our time. Yet we live on the other side of history, and we know that less than a year later, Hitler's troops would invade Poland in direct violation, which would ultimately lead to the beginning of World War II. Peace in our time and the peace of God are two very different things. How then can I stand here and declare as thousands upon thousands have before me that Jesus is the Prince of Peace? Church, there is coming a day that in his name all oppression will cease. There is coming a day that all of the pageant queens and Miss World contestants are going to get their desire of world peace. And ultimately it will be Jesus, the Prince of Peace, who will usher this in through his rule and his reign. But whenever we consider Jesus as the Prince of Peace, we must do so understanding that the foundational meaning of peace is that there would be spiritual harmony brought about by an individual's restoration with God. You see, Jesus himself is our peace. That is why he was able to declare, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is our peace as the only one who could and has made possible relationship with God the Father and he is our peace as the one and only one through whom we can have access to the Father. He is our peace this morning who has broken down every wall of hostility. That whilst we were by nature sinful and therefore enemies of God, yet Christ died for me and Christ died for you. He died for us. Because of Christ's sacrifice, we are restored to a relationship of peace with God. He is our Father and we are His sons. 
and we are his daughters. We, are, we who were once enemies of God are brought near and honed in a relationship of peace with God. That's why at this time of year we sing peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. This is the deep and abiding peace between the hearts of believers and creator God that cannot and will not be taken away. It is this which is the ultimate fulfillment of Christ's work as Prince of Peace, that the child of God can sing as the hymn writer wrote, his forever, only his, who the Lord and me shall part. Ah, with what a rest of bliss, Christ can fill the loving heart. Heaven and earth may fade and flee, firstborn light in gloom decline. But while God and I shall be, I am his and he is mine. And the work of the Prince of Peace leads to relationship with the Holy Spirit who produces the gifts, fruits, provides help and guidance and develops Christ-likeness in the lives of believers and those who trust in him as saviour of their lives, enabling them, enabling us to walk, live and maintain the unity which binds us to Christ and to one another. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. In other words, Jesus would be, Jesus is, and Jesus will, be, will continue to be everything which our soul longs for. In other words, Jesus would be, is, and will continue to be everything which our soul needs and in which our soul can delight. In other words, Jesus' birth would be, is, and will continue to be good news for the believer. And that, my dear friends, is why we celebrate Advent together. Our peace has come, and he will come again to establish once and forever the fulfillment of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. A kingdom where the wonderful counsellor resides with his people forever. A, a kingdom established by mighty God through the act of sacrifice by the everlasting Father who will reign as King of Kings, as Lord of Lords and as Prince of and of his kingdom and of his reign there shall be no end amen amen let's pray together as the band come to lead us in our closing worship lord we thank you for the truth of your word and the reminder this advent time that you are our wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father and prince of peace. Lord, we thank you that we do not need to rely on our own strength, but Lord, we can rely on you. And Lord, we pray that all that we have heard as your word has 
been open to us this morning. Lord, all that we have heard would just resonate in our hearts, that you would plant it deep within our hearts and that we would live in response to the truth of your word. And that, Lord, all praise, glory and honour would be brought to you through our lives and this community would be transformed by the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together.